Welcome to the Underscore Transformation podcast. My name's Jason West. And my name's Joe Ailes. And together we're the founders of Underscore. In season two, we're focusing on implementation and the challenges that surround making changes to policies, processes, systems, and team structures. If you'd like to know more about scoping a transformation program, please take a listen to season one. Now, this is the last of our 10 critical success factors in the build phase of transformation. Today, we're going to discuss the challenges and pitfalls that surround program governance and control during the build phase. A good proportion of effective governance is rooted in the design of your governance structure. Now, we covered governance design in our previous season on scoping, so please take a listen to episode seven of season one for further information on the key governance roles and decision-making bodies, the speed and quality of decisions required, and the costs of indecision, delay, reversal, and rework. Uh, The design of your governance structure is one thing that we covered previously. Ensuring that you make the right decisions at the right time, that's another story. So successful governance uh, requires having the right people in the right roles, meeting regularly, reviewing the right information, and being empowered to make decisions quickly. So, Joe, what's the best Mm. way of making sure this happens? Uh, Well, Jason, unsurprisingly, it comes down to people, right? Um, Yeah. So we we talked about um, the importance of everyone working on a program to have documented role role descriptions way back in episode one. Um, And this is equally true for for those in governance roles. You also need to have terms of reference um, Mm. well documented for each of the decision uh, making groups within within your structure. Um, um, what what would typically be in in those kind of terms of reference? Um, the purpose of um, of each of the groups, um, the, their accountabilities, um, the responsibilities. What authority do they have to make decisions? Um, that's that's equally important. The scope. What are they there to cover? And being careful that you don't. Uh, overlay, um, you know, s- scope of decisions across different your your different uh, groups. Um, yes, so that's, that's, yeah. that's key. What's the escalation paths? For is- for instance, if if in one governance structure, um, you, one individual or a group of individuals feel really really strongly about something, how do they escalate it to? Um, how do they ensure it gets es- escalated to, for instance, maybe an exec co et cetera, or a project board, et cetera? Mm-hmm. Um, the um then simple some simple logistics around you know what, what's the the meeting purpose and the, uh, and their frequency yeah um re- what regular information is going to be reviewed by what groups um in, in the governance structure um, what records are to be kept etc and then of course there's in, in in unfortunately for a lot of programs there's an awful lot of reporting that needs to be produced yeah um, and actually then, documenting this stuff ahead of time yeah absolutely right. um you, you don't want to have to to no program manager or transformation lead should be winging this uh, on the fly it needs yes. to be properly discussed ahead of time properly planned a, a set of reviews um uh with Perhaps even the exec sponsor ahead of it going into uh, an exec steerco, for instance. Um, mm. So there's there's an, an awful lot of um, stakeholder management and aligning sort of mindsets and uh, along the way. So this is not just about getting people in a room and expecting 
lots and lots of decisions to be made in, in a room. There's an awful lot that goes on um, outside these formal meetings. Uh, but nonetheless, the formal meetings are really important to bring key decisions perhaps to a to a head or key points in a program to a head. Yeah. So um, the other thing we also need to, to, to think about is what's the capability and motivation of the people that you place in these various decision-making bodies, right? And as a, just to remind um, ourselves and of who these are, so you've got obviously all the process owners. Yeah. You've got your design authority. Yeah. Um, you've got your operational um, steering committee and you've got your exec um, steering committee. These are the yeah. sort of key four key groups. You may have other ones. Maybe there'd be a might, might be a technology one or an, an integrations one. Or um, but these are the, the groups that are going to to govern your program. Yeah. Um, and in previous episodes, we also talked about the risks of putting <laughs> enthusiastic amateurs uh, into key roles in the program. And, and this is again true for people making decisions within the governance structure. Yeah. Um, it's the role of the sponsor really to identify uh, any skills or knowledge gaps in various committees and maybe put steps in place to close these gaps before programs get in full swing. And we talk a lot about um, formal training, coaching, mentoring yeah. um, for those in these governance structures because you know they play a, these individuals are playing a, a fundamental, an instrumental role mm. in the program. So they need to be equipped with the skills and capability to. To, to help steer in whatever governance structure or governance body they sit in. Yes, uh, so yeah. that's, uh, that's I, I think that, that's, that's mm. where actually documenting the role profiles ahead of appointing mm. people into these kind of key governance roles comes in really useful mm. because it, it gives that framework to be able to spot any gaps early and put those right interventions in place, whether that's coaching or mentoring or formal training, whatever it is. Mm. And, and there often are gaps because people, you tend to be pulling people into out of operational roles to fulfill these, these new mm. program or project roles. Sure. So there, naturally there are gaps. It tends to be less so at the more senior level, at the exec steer code, because typically people have got experience of, of sponsoring or or you know acting uh, you know at that yeah. kind of senior exec but, level but you know what the, sp- the sponsor sometimes needs um absolutely yeah. uh, needs a little bit of coaching because they they they're now guiding a program that they've probably not done before you know transformation projects don't get done every every year like we've talked about before this mm. is probably once twice in a in, in a in a professional career of a yes, of yeah. a of a sponsor, so they really need to be equipped to to challenge the program manager, the transformation lead, even those on the ex, on the exec steering committee about about aspects of uh, of the project. So they they need to to be equipped um, with the skills uh, and, yeah. and capability, don't they? Yeah, and and really addressing mm. that right up front as, yeah. as early as you possibly can. Identify where your gaps are and. Mm. and, and actually put steps in place to fill them but i i think another aspect of it is is around the thinking styles of the individuals involved mm. uh and and making sure that you you've got a real diversity of thinking styles in your different uh decision making bodies because in large part transformation is a a problem solving process mm. uh and the real challenge with this is some of the problems are puzzles and some are mysteries uh, so um, <laughs> puzzles and mysteries, Jason. Yes, bear, bear with me here. I'm oh my gosh, probably going to go on a bit of a wander. Okay. Um, but I, I think it's an important point 
to, to kind of raise. Um, mm. So uh, Gregory Treverton uh, wrote an article in 2007, which you can find in the, the Smithsonian magazine online to, to a Google search, right. that, that describes this difference between puzzles and mysteries uh, and, and how you need to approach them because it is different. So um, I'll, I'll read you a quote from the article um, and, and right. bear with me. <laughs> so, okay, I am, I am, I am bearing with okay. you, yeah. So puzzles can be solved. They, they right. have answers. But a, a mystery offers no such comfort. It poses a question that has no definitive answer because the answer is contingent. It right. depends on a future interaction of many factors, known and unknown. So a mystery cannot be answered. It can only be framed. And by identifying the critical factors and applying some sense of how they have interacted in the past and might interact in the future, uh, a, a mystery, therefore, is an attempt to define ambiguities. So okay. that's the quote. Let, let okay. me just unpack that a bit more because there's okay. kind of a lot going on there. So uh, <laughs> a, a, another really interesting writer, Ma Malcolm Gladwell, uh, kind of expanded on this. So he had, uh, wrote an article in the New Yorker uh, called Open Secrets. And again, do a good Google, it's a great article, have a look at it. But boiling down, you know, sort of his great work to, a, you know, a great article to, as you know, a really simple idea. Uh, the whereabouts of Osama bin Laden was a puzzle with a definitive answer that was at the time, 2007, unsolved, because US intelligence didn't have enough information. They, they just needed to gather information to understand where he was. But in contrast, another problem at the time is what should happen in Iraq after Saddam Hussein was removed, that was a mystery. So there wasn't a simple factual answer. Mysteries kind of required judgments and assessment of uncertainty. And the hard, hard part of it was not a lack of information, but actually there was too much information. Hmm. So the CIA had a position on post-war Iraq. So did the Pentagon and the State Department, Colin Powell and Dick Cheney, and you know, as did everybody, commentators the world over, whether it was Fox News, MSNBC or whoever. So hmm. trying to just kind of find your way through that is really quite difficult. It's not a case of... Um, just uncovering information and finding the answer, there's actually just a lot of noise in the system. Mm. And kind of bringing it right up to date, you know, the search for an effective vaccine for the novel coronavirus is a puzzle that will ultimately be solved. But when and how quickly to lift lockdown conditions, well, that's a mystery. Mm. Uh, there's so many different contingent parts to this that, that actually it, there's no one simple answer uh, and you can't know all, know it all at the very beginning. This this is really really interesting, but what does it actually have to do with program governance? Okay, yeah, okay. I, was, I was getting to that. So, okay. within your governance bodies, you need to have a bit of a mix of people with these right. different problem solving approaches because they are different. So, some people have a real natural focus on uncovering new information to solve puzzles and really digging into the absolute detail and kind of real dog with a bone getting getting mm. to that that kind of ta da we've we've solved the puzzle. Um, but you also need people that uh, have got a focus on the bigger picture and picking out the signal amongst the noise of all this different information that's that that kind of flows through the governance of of your program uh, and that a lot of that's about well framing what's going on and being able to spot the risks and uh, and and how to really 
deal with that as part of uncovering this this kind of mysterious destination that you have mm. because it's not always very clear when you start on these programs so that you know there, there's that slight dichotomy between people looking at the big picture and others really focused on the detailed practicalities right. but, so but a transformation are, a transformation is a mixture of puzzle and mystery yes absolutely yeah, yeah. um and in terms of those kind of personality traits, there's there's mm. other aspects to this, um, and, and you need to look for the balance in in your governance structures. So you you need to have a bit of a balance between introverts and extroverts. So they they bring complementary strengths when taking on and processing information, uh, and you need to be careful about how you manage that interaction between introverts and extroverts, and you you give introverts enough time to take on information and you you know uh, make sure the extroverts don't kind of shout everything down and kind mm. of the, they're the only voice heard um and the usual stuff interplay that you get between those those kind of people with tendencies more in one direction or another um but a lot of that is really about how how people uh, process information that they're, they're receiving in from the world. Uh, likewise, ha- having a balance of people that are more kind of people focused and others who are more outcome and, and objective focused. And, and that can be a bit of a challenge, uh, more at the senior end, mm. uh, at the exec end, because, you know, in, in uh, certainly Western society, we do tend to promote people who are more outcome and objective focused than they are people focused. So mm. that can be a bit of a challenge in the more kind of senior steering committees, but that's mm. a problem with the execs generally, um, uh, you know, if you can generalize. Um, but you, you'd also expect that a, a successful program will have a lot of people who are very discipline driven. So th- these are people who are always on time for meetings. They love planning. They like clear written objectives. They're really ordered and they work, work best in a structured environment. And, you know, unsurprisingly, we've spent quite a bit of time mm. on these podcasts talking about yeah. those types of um, traits and issues and things that you just need to do. But that shouldn't be at the expense of people who are more kind of inspiration driven. Yeah. So these are people who prefer to see how things emerge, don't like to be tied down too early to any given solution and, and like to keep their options open until a deadline emerges and that kind of gives them lots of energy yeah. and off they go and start doing stuff. Um, uh, but they, they're they rarely on time for meetings if people are really on that kind of inspiration-driven spectrum uh, and they rely a lot on gut instinct to make decisions and they're not afraid to bend the rules to achieve something really kind of unique and interesting. Mm. So if you have everybody too much in one direction on your in your decision making bodies and in your program team yeah. you you can you can get into to, to difficulties with it yeah. so having that real mix allows you to get the best possible outcome from your transformation so yeah you're right jason um, and it's one of the areas that's so often overlooked when building program teams and and governance teams um it's the whole diversity of thought isn't it yeah um and we talked before about um having multifunctional um Mm. program structures you know having people um, from different functions and being part of the program 
yeah um, different so business units as well exactly different areas so, of the business yeah so this is another angle of um of of sort of diversity of thinking and diversity of behavior that needs to be incorporated into your uh into your program structure yeah so and again it can be a little bit too easy sometimes to populate teams with people who who all think alike um yeah. you know um so you and you end up with group think solution designs that really only work for the people like us yeah. um so that diversity of thought and uh, is is really really important um and 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 again if you have um solution designs that only work for people like us um you know there's risks that are un, un, you know are, are underestimated or sometimes completely overlooked mm. um because you don't have those people that are uh, incredibly interested for for instance in the detail and if you've got yes. just individuals there like you like you've just outlined just a second ago inspirational um that turn up for meeting late for meetings <laughs> every time and we don't know anyone like that at all it, no we don't know anyone like that that um they are blue sky thinkers um yeah you can perhaps think that uh, a lot of the detail is going to go unnoticed. So it is really, really useful then to 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 apply, you know, psychometric tools for analyzing individuals and team personality and the characteristics of the teams. Just making mm. sure that you've got a good balance of um, of of behavior and thinking in in among the various teams. And I think at yeah. some point we'll absolutely get Lucy Feeney. Um, our head of leadership development to talk to us about how to best deploy these tools for building high-performing teams in 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 a future episode, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, that's a great idea because it, it's yeah. important not just for program and governance teams, but it's got an application across any type of team. So yeah. definitely worth getting Lucy to provide some insight as she's got loads of practical experience that mm. that she can share and there's lots of great tools out there and you know sort of we've uh, what, what i described there was actually um uh, uh lumina's tool largely mm. um but they're all based on on you know similar principles it's uh the 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 big five jungian uh, mm. personality traits um but i won't go into that now we'll cover that in uh, we'll get lucy in who actually really knows what she's yeah. talking about on this stuff rather than get get my hackneyed approach to it <laughs> um, so so we've put together our diverse governance committees um mm. we've defined their terms of reference and we're all up and running um what do program sponsors need to keep a lookout for when it comes to the behaviors of these various steering committees what are those mm. warning signs to mm. look for yeah, and you need to keep an eye out um, on on a level of constructive challenge that's going on within the various steering committees. Yeah, are people challenging solutions with an aim of making things better? You know, al aligned to the uh, strategic program objectives that we've talked about previously, for instance. Yeah, uh, or are they finding reasons um, for things to remain the same? Yeah, you know, maybe protecting empires or empire yes, building. There's yeah. all sorts of things like that that you've got to be sort of mindful of. Um, you know, you streamlining a process or automating a process will mean that my function or my team will, in my teams in my functional areas are going to be impacted by this. So um, I don't necessarily like to deal with that change. So it is mm. an awful lot of that there that they sort of um, need to be mindful of. The transformation lead absolutely needs to be on top of it. And so there's a sponsor. Yeah. Um, something else there needs to, something else that 
a sponsor needs to uh, um, to look at is how quickly our solution designs making their way through the various governance reviews. Mm. Um, our solution designs getting stuck at particular steering committees. Um, if so, where you know maybe at, at um, operational steering committee, for instance, where actually there's a lot of reluctance for people to uh, to want to change. Um, yes. So they're challenging every decision, every change to process to policy etc because actually yeah. you know they're, they're change resistant um yeah, so watch so, out for the speed with which the things are moving or not moving through moving those through, different committees yeah. whether it's design authority or operations and, or, and, yeah. and the, the exec steerco should expect um decisions to aired at uh, exec steering committee even if it's uh you know we've made this major decision down at the operational steering committee um and this is the impact it will have on our business so exec steerco this is something that you are you comfortable with this is something that you need to almost approve yeah. i wouldn't suggest that everything goes up to exec committee committee to for approval but there are some 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 real fundamental um, decisions that get made at a program level that are, you know, high impact, and those need to be aired and uh, and expressed during um, those ex-, ex-, ex steering committees. So if a, if the exec steering committee is not seeing any of that, then mm. uh, the exec steerco should be um, a little bit concerned. You're listening to the Underscore Transformation podcast. For more practical guidance on business transformation, you can download our free transformation checklist visit our website underscore-group.com forward slash insights. So if you've got a, if you're seeing stuff that's getting stuck and, and it's not progressing through, what, what are the kind of the underlying factors that could could be causing mm. that? Uh, issues with design. Um, yeah. You may need to address the, uh, the, the solution design capability of the process owners, for instance. Um, mm. Again, you're asking operational people typically to be you know, almost engineer in new ways of working. And some, some of these individuals may not be capable of doing that. So I've, yeah. again, we're going back to the training, the capability point that we made earlier. Yes. Um, you know, are, are, are these these individuals sort of design, applying design thinking principles to to the way they're designing processes and the, yeah. and their role? So so again, I think it's it could be a, a combination of things, but that's probably one area. Yeah, um, it could be to do with the you, maybe you haven't selected the right technology. The technology, and yes, you've absolutely. Got real technical yeah, tech, limitations tech, yeah. in what you're trying to implement. So you set out a whole set of strategic objectives that you're not going to deliver because the technology platform that you've got in front of you isn't going to enable you to do that yeah um again if the design authority or steering committee is is being sort of overly challenged have the design principles again been set correctly uh, or are the committee are committee members sufficiently bought into the overall vision um and the need to change so that's that's um something to think about as well yeah, and again, um, getting that that scoping right and making sure that people are sufficiently bought in, and that you do have these design principles and this vision that people actually recognise yeah. and they're 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 excited about. Yeah, yeah, and have those at the far f- forefront of every almost a, as a reminder of, of of what we're trying to achieve here. Yeah, uh, we're bringing this decision to you, 
um, because it relates to this particular strategic objective or it relates to this design principle. You know, it's some, uh, a design principle that we often see within sort of software as, as a service uh, transformation program. Enabled transformation programs is keeping things simple, you know, simple design out of the, try and using, try, try to use it as much out of the box as possible. So yeah. if you're coming up with an overly engineered process to all, almost achieve in that new technology what you do, today then uh, it, it, you, you have to sort of be asking difficult questions of those process owners the design authority and a transformation leader and a program manager for that matter yeah. so that that's kind of the causes behind things might get stuck and yeah. what to look out for but on the other hand there's there's the other side to it isn't there there's that kind of how mm. quickly you know everything's just getting nodded through that could yeah. also be a, a bit uh, of a warning uh, uh, sign uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, that means it's the decisions have not been challenged perhaps um, enough um, mm. in in a various sort of governance bodies. The, the level of detail um, hasn't perhaps been looked at. That diverse thinking hasn't been applied. Um, some of the designs haven't really been tested yeah. uh, thoroughly enough. So if you're if you are um, starting off on a project and you just see a whole bunch of decisions quickly um, rise up to you as a program sponsor you go hang on a minute um mm. who has validated this who has checked this um have we made sure that it's been tested the design thinking has been tested across other uh, functional areas of, of our business are we sure this is not going to break something further down the line so yeah ever have an inquisitive mind uh, and a curious mind but again it's not about overly challenging it's about making sure that you're challenging the right way because it can be quite disheartening if uh, as a pro transformation leader or as a program manager if you feel that you're going into battle each time it's not about that <laughs> yes <laughs> it's not about that and it's it's not about creating the resistance <laughs> it's yeah. about yeah. um it's about watching out like we talked about before and just now it's about what are the signs that you need to sort of go hang on a minute is yeah. this a, a worry bead here what these are one of my worry beads yeah um, so if if a sponsor or a transformation lead kind of sees some of this slightly worrying behavior or, or potential risk areas what 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 should they do they need to go and speak to people um yeah yeah, meet 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 individuals of of your steering committee, um, to make sure that they're comfortable challenging um solutions they're put mm. forward for 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 review. You may find that process owners are just hitting it out of the park. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah it's, it's fine. They just you know they've, they've designed some great stuff and cracking yeah, through it. It's yeah. There's no we've reviewed it. It's fantastic. It's going to yeah. be great. Yeah, but, but yeah, as a sponsor, I would want to validate that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, however, you you know, you also may find that people are reluctant to speak up during committee meetings um, or feel they're not um, sufficiently empowered to make decisions. So they, they feel yeah. sort of almost fearful of challenging as well. So you need to create that sort of openness environment as well. You yeah, and you, you can often see that with with certain types of program manager that come in that are that kind of very much kind of just focused absolutely on hitting a deadline no matter what and they're just yeah. driving stuff through and they're not allowing sufficient time for people to challenge and they kind and, of come and a, a, a big expert yeah. from outside that's done this a million times absolutely and actually they are purposely avoiding those difficult conversations with an aim mm. to just getting stuff over the line yeah just yeah 
as a program sponsor, you need to sort of also be mindful of, of that and be aware of that. And as a transformation lead, transformation leads need to be skilled. Again, transformation leads wouldn't have done this in the past. Um, mm. they, don't have, they don't have experience. So a program sponsor, as well as a transformation lead, need to be given the tools and, and capabilities to lead these big, big programs through um, their life cycle. So it is, yeah. and and bringing sometimes, if you're right, if you bring in a program manager that's purely focused on hitting timelines and misses this is the bigger picture, then then we're in no end of trouble. You know, you really require to sort of have work done on the whole team dynamic of of the committee as well. Um, yeah. You know, between between the program team, the operational steering committees, um, between operational and exec steer committees. Um, yeah. You know, you just or you simply just need to sort of find more natural disagreeable people uh, who are not afraid <laughs> yeah. to to point out what can be done better. Yeah, um, yeah. And that's not, that kind of reluctance to speak out isn't something that you'll normally see within your exec steering committee, is it? You know, um, no, no, they're, no. They're, 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 they're pretty, pretty happy to tell you what they think. Exactly. Uh, they're, they're quite proud, actually. <laughs> it's sometimes quite challenging to... Uh, to, to, to to, to shut them up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. You know, that that tends not to be the issue at the exec steering committee level. It's it it, it the, the issues that you see is really around are people showing up? And and yeah. that, that's the real warning sign there. So, you know, if if people aren't turning up to these exec steering committees, it tends to point to issues with your your scoping phase that mm. you know you you didn't do sufficient work on your business case, getting people bought into it. The sponsor perhaps hasn't done enough around building that willing coalition of, of execs to really make this mm. happen and embed this really important change. So yeah, the, those individuals don't feel it's important to them. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they don't feel, well, I've got no stake in this. What, what, what's yeah. in it for me? So they, they, you're absolutely right. If If we're seeing... Um, a lack of attendance, then you have to seriously question why that is. Um, yeah. And it and could then, be because something external has come along, you know, oh, crikey, yeah. there's, there's a number well, of be transformation programs the world over right now that have just yeah, stopped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, what, be, there's a more pressing issue. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But that shouldn't be persistent, right? Where no, no, non-attendance absolutely. in one, because these meetings that are not happening shouldn't be happening every week they should be yeah. happening at key stages of a program yeah so have you have you got your cadence right yes but uh, in terms of that attendance it really it has to be the program sponsor that that's the individual that's going to go and have these conversations yeah. with, with the members of the exec steer co it's just not a conversation that a transformation lead or a program manager should ever be having that's just not their role. No, it. no, no, absolutely not. No, but, um, a program manager can help by ensuring that there is um, regular drumbeat of meetings. Um, mm. They should bring their experience of other programs um, to ensure that the governance meetings are held at appropriate intervals um, for decisions at hand. Right? Yeah. Um, their review materials, for instance, are sent ahead of time. Um, they they come prepared to answer detailed questions about the health of the program. Um, yeah, and and the transformation lead on the other hand um, has got to play an active role in these meetings. Um, yeah, they should be the ones leading presentations, for example. Yeah, and um, that doesn't always happen, does it? It doesn't. Can, no, no. The transformation lead reliant on the on program, the program manager. manager. Yeah, yeah. It, it feels like it's a program, the program manager that's sort of leading the uh, 
um, the transformation almost. Yeah. So yeah, um, and again, and the, the the transformation lead have got to be prepared to sort of defend solution designs that have come through the the various other governance bodies, etc. Um, yeah. And uh, and program sort of delivery decisions, but um, equally yes. equally know as well when to take steer and input from from members of the committee. It's not again, this is not a war, <laughs> not going into fight, people. It's uh, it's you making sure that you're leveraging. The, the the knowledge of the people in the room and the expertise of the people in the room and take steer from them yeah. um, is 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 really important. Um, exactly, the, these governance meetings should not be something to fear. It should be something yeah. to look forward to. Because mm. you're going into these meetings, taking the time of of you know fairly, fairly experienced individuals and expensive individuals. Yes. Um, so make good use of their time. Yeah. Um, to, to help you steer to help steer your program in the right way yeah yeah so um you know exchange and let's be honest you know these are uh, um, senior individuals so exchanges within the exec steering committee um will be robust yeah um, and they should be robust yeah um, yeah so it's important that your transformation lead is uh, is politically savvy to be able to think on their feet too so again as a program sponsor if you're looking to appoint a transformation lead into it, into this role, think through what you're going to put that individual through. They're going yes, to be facing yeah. members of the exec. They're going to be challenged. Um, yeah. So they've got to have that, you know, ability to uh, to think of their their, their feet to be agile. Yeah. And and so, they've got to be that that's kind of one thing when things are going mm. well but you need to be confident that you can put them in front of exec members when things are really not going well and, yes. and they can handle that pressure and represent you and your function um you know well in, yeah. in front of those exec and, and 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 you know not not crumble frankly yes exactly they, yeah we've seen that happen in the past yeah. sadly yeah yeah and uh, and it can be yeah it can be uh, destroy someone's career for instance oh, gotcha. at times yeah. you know yeah absolutely um, the, the other thing that a transformation lead needs to be is involved in a detail um yeah. when they are being asked um difficult questions from from those in the exec steering committee if they don't know the detail and they're heavily reliant on a program manager yeah. um this could be really concerning for for the program sponsor um yes yeah you yeah, because the so, last thing you want is is people to lose confidence in in an in, individual, and then therefore the program. And uh, yeah, no one wants those difficult conversations. No, at all. no. So it's, yeah, really uh, think not, through the individual that you put into that role because it it will, as you say, it will make or break their career. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, just kind of stepping back mm. out of that meeting a little bit, you know, we we. We touched on previously these client-side advisors um, mm. when we talked about suppliers a few weeks back. Yeah. So I think it's worth just a quick recap, seeing as we're talking about governance, where client-side advisors are best used um, mm. and anywhere you shouldn't use them within mm. the governance structure. Yeah, I mean, we found that um, they're best used in in one of two ways. Um, firstly, um, advising design teams, mm. um, either working directly with process owners, for instance, um, or supporting the transformation lead at de design authority level. Yeah. Uh, you know, they've been there, they've done it, they know where the pitfalls are, right? 
Yes. So they, they can uh, um, identify quickly um, some of the designs that you're coming up with are going to give you problems in A, B, and C. So yeah. they, they can play a really sort of pivotal role in, in these groups. Uh, secondly, it's um, providing you know challenge and technical knowledge at the execs steering committee level, yeah. um, especially if the exec team lack hands-on experience of new piece of technology that you're implementing. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's almost like a little, the voice of reason in a room to maybe the program manager or the transformation, tra- transformation lead who might be overly, overly enthusiastic or overly optimistic mm. about what's being um, done at the program level. And are not really aware of some of those pitfalls that are, are coming down the line um, yeah. around some of the decisions that might be ma- being made. We found that actually adding client side uh, advisor into a, an operational steering committee um, level is perhaps less useful. Um, the purpose of of this body is to validate that the solution designs are fit for purpose to meet the business needs, um, and the best people to make the judgment. Um, are the operational managers of the organization. Yeah. An external advisor will will lack the detailed understanding of how they operate, the business operates to add much value um, in, in those decisions. So finally, uh, just to mm. kind of start wrapping things up for, mm. for today's episode, you know, one of the common failings that we see in programs that kind of get into trouble is a lack of documentation around the key decisions that are made during governance meetings. Let's just dig into that a little bit because it's a it's an area that quite often gets overlooked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, absolutely, transformation programs are making large scale changes to a, a complex set of interdependent process system um, and and people. Um, mm. So uh, and and on an evolving set of sort of business requirements. So keeping track of these decisions. Uh, in this sort of type of environment goes beyond the ability of, of any one person um, to keep in their head, right? So yeah. um, so documenting um, as you go avoids reopening decisions um, further down the line. You know, the amount of times that I've heard, why why have we made that particular set of decision decisions yeah. um, and no documentation to, the, to, to describe the rationale? And yes. then it, it just means, that, okay, you're reopening these these envelopes all the time uh and yeah. it you know it's costly there's rework delay delays and we talked about all the, the impact of of this on technology as you get closer and closer to go live yeah however if it, if design changes enhance the ability to deliver a business case then it shouldn't mm-hmm. be rejected out of hand um even if it's at later phases of testing um yeah. You know, we did talk before about the risks of, of making changes quite late to the program, but if it's if it if it warrants it, it shouldn't be disregarded. So your yes. governance structure should really be agile enough to consider um, these changes quickly and take yeah. the right call for for your business. Um, sometimes delays and additional costs really are <laughs> worth it. Okay, so mm. it's important not to to totally disregard them. Um, just make sure you document the reasons why the decision was made yeah. um, and the information um, that was available at the time um, yeah. is included within um, those reasons. Uh, and and actually, documenting your decisions enables you to conduct uh, a much more effective lessons learned after go live, which you obviously which you can then carry on uh, into future phases of 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 other programs. Um, yeah, yeah, and I, I think that's a 
great point mm. to end on. Um, mm. And we, we've said it before and we'll no doubt say it again that transformation is a relatively straightforward process, but you have to recognise that you're making changes to this complex interplay of people, process and technology. So it, it's not simply possible to map out all these downstream impacts of every decision as they ripple out mm. through the organisation, but making sure that you document it and you've got a, a track of what's happened is going to help you as you, you go mm. back and review. So just as a, a bit of a recap, just engaging the right people in reviewing your solution designs and your programme decisions are going to help you make the best possible decisions in the moment based on the information that you have at hand documenting your design decisions and the business rationale behind them gives you the ability to look back, learn and refine your solution designs over time. Because it's all too easy to lose sight of the fact that this big showy multi-million dollar program that mm. you've got everyone all excited about is in reality just delivering the first iteration of your new operating model. So the capability of your operational teams, the processes and the technology and their readiness to function in this brave new world that you've got in store for them is actually the focus for season three, uh, which we're, we're going to cover on transition. Mm. Um, but before we get to that, that season three, this kind of taking everything into production and, and kind of launching it out to uh, an, un well, hopefully a suspecting world rather than unsuspecting world if you've, you've got your change management right. Um, but before we get to that, we're, we're actually going to take some time to deal with the problem that's in front of us. So uh, joining us next week is Lucy Finney, who's our head of leadership development. And uh, we're going to discuss crisis management and recovery. So please join us next week. Uh, and we're going to be delving into this in a bit more detail. Uh, thanks for listening. We really appreciate your support. So this episode focused on one of 10 critical success factors in the build phase of transformation. If you'd like to be at the front of the queue for next week's episode, please hit the subscribe button and don't forget to like the show if you found it useful. If you have any questions or opinions you'd like to share, please reach out, contact us, Joe Ailes or Jason West on LinkedIn or via our website underscore hyphen group.com.